We love and we don't quit loving. We love, and that's how we're going to operate. That's how we will do all things. Listen, all those things we previously mentioned are great, but if we do not have love, and love is not the engine, the conductor, and the whole train itself, we're on a track headed to nowhere, baby. If we do not love, and we try to do all these things, and if love is not the driving force behind everything we do, we're on a train track headed to nowhere, and we'll get there rather quickly, amen? And so we've got to remember that in everything we do, we've got to love. All journeys begin with the destination in mind. Our destination, our destiny is to, re, is to re achieve our reach goals this year. But if love is not the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end of it all, plus everything in between, we've missed it as the church. Love has got to be everything in our DNA. Who we are, what we do, how we represent because listen to this, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. The opposite of love is not hate, it's selfishness. This is why Jesus said the first commandment is this, to love the Lord your God. The second is likened to it, to love your neighbors like you love yourself. Come on now. See, we don't like that second one. We love to love God. We love to worship Him, we love to sing to Him. But to love you like I love me... That's a big deal. Now listen to this. Every issue and dilemma and hot button topic that we deal with politically, that we deal with in the church, that we deal with on all aspects are driven out of selfishness before we ever see or experience hate. Let me tell you this. Racism is a selfish thing, not a hate thing. Racism is a selfish thing. Racism says this, you're different than me, so I want you to conform to me so you all can look and be like me. And if you don't, I don't like you because your skin's different, your religion's different, your ethnicity is different, your lifestyle's different, you sing different, we all look different. But can I tell you, it's the differences if we'll embrace us, if we'll embrace them that will draw us together and see us truly become all that God has called us to become. But racism is not a hate-motivated issue. It's a selfish-motivated issue. We think everybody should be like us, sing like us, act like us, walk like us, talk like us, be like us. And if you don't, heaven forbid, we should think differently. You know, I realize this now that I got two boys that are seven and six, that you don't have to teach kids to be selfish. Right? Right? You don't have to teach kids to be selfish. When Caleb has something that Aaron wants, Aaron's going to go take it. If Aaron has something that Caleb wants, Caleb's going to go, they're going to take it from each other. They're not going to ask. They're going to be selfish. And they're going to say, that's mine. That's mine. See, you don't have to teach selfishness. It happened with the fall of man, and when sin nature entered the world, selfishness is a natural byproduct of the natural you. That's why Jesus said this, you must be born again. And I love the verse of scripture that when you become born again, all things become made new on the inside of you and on the outside of you. See, I think we've sold that scripture short. When the Bible says, behold, I make you a new creation, I make all things new, we only think spiritually. But when he said all things, why do we limit him to just spiritual things? Why can't we just open it up to all things like he said, all things? Because I'm tired of limiting God. 
I'm tired of limiting him. And so now when I read all things, I'm going to go back and recheck myself on that because I thought it just meant I would be born again spiritually. But when he said, I make all things new, <laughs> praise God, that means my physical body can begin to transform and be made new again. My mind can be renewed. Amen. My youth can be renewed like the eagles. Amen. But we've sold God short, and we said, God, we're just going to limit you to spiritual things because you're a spiritual God. No, he's an all-encompassing God. Amen. And he sent himself and his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to prove that point out. And so the opposite of love is not hate, it's selfishness. God is love, so God gave. God is love, so God gave. And remember the first part of this message is impact, we love. And 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now that's huge. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not, know, does not love does not know God. Now you've got to compare this not just with the, the writing of, that John wrote, but what Jesus said about love in the Sermon on the Mount. If you only love those who love you, you're a hypocrite. That's what he said. And he said, even heathens do that. Even lost people, ungodly people, if you love them, they'll love you. So you've got to change your definition of love. Anyone who does not know God does not love. And because God is love. And in this love, God made himself manifest among us that God sent his only son into this world that you might live through him. Not exist through him, but you'll live through him. And you haven't lived until you've loved and you'll live through him. And in this love, not that we have loved, but God has loved us and sent his son to us to be the propitiation for our sins. I love that word right there. Now that word literally means this. When Jesus came and became the propitiation, he made all things well or all things good again with his father that Adam destroyed at the fall of man. All things became right again with the father. So the father's not angry this morning, amen? The Father's smiling at you because you look good. Amen. Yeah. I believe God wakes up in a good mood. I, I mean, I really do. And I don't believe you're bad enough to ruin his mood. Amen. Yeah. That's good. And so, and Jesus, he, he made all things good, but it also goes farther, and it means this, that he took all the good things that were his and gave them to us, and all the bad things that were ours, he took them for himself on the cross. So it's more than he made it right with God. He gave you all that God was giving to him, and he took all the punishment that you were supposed to take from God. So when he came, became the propitiation for our sins, he covered it all, and it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So God is love, and so God gave. We are the church. We love. So we're going to give as a church into you. We're going to pour our life into you. We're going to give everything we have into you. We're going to make sure everything that God can enable us to do, we give it to you because we love you. And that's it. Amen. I don't give looking for something in return. I give because I love you. If it gets returned to me, that's upon him, not upon you. Now listen, when I first went on mission trips... My first couple trips, I went on it because I loved them. I love to go on a trip. I love to go experience the world. I love to pray over people. I love to preach. I love to do those things. 
Now my whole aspect after the first couple have changed. I don't go just because I love them. I go because I love people. And I'm going to love on them. Because, and, it, and, it, and it's a step of faith, and here's why. Because now that I have a wife and two amazing boys, I would much rather stay home than sit on a plane for 15 hours, and that's just before the first layover. But because I love, I'm going to give my time unselfishly. I'm going to give my life unselfishly. I'm going to give everything I have while I'm here on this earth. Do you realize this is your one opportunity in all of eternity to make a difference for the kingdom? Come on now. People ask me, why are you so intense? Why are you so fired up? Because this is my only chance in all of eternity is this lifespan of Joel T. Meyer that I'll ever be able to have an impact on the kingdom of God. I don't have time to play around, baby. We got some work to do. And so I love people, and I'm intense about it, and I love showing the love of God to people. Also, the Bible says this in Galatians 5, 6, faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6, but the only thing that matters is this, but faith which worketh by love. See, if somebody would have taught me this when I became born again, maybe my faith walk would have accelerated a little bit quicker because I realized this. When I first got born again, I was so focused on faith and how do I get great faith and how do I walk in mighty faith and how do I do great things of faith. When God says, I need you to walk in great love, I need you to figure out what great love is because your faith only works by love. And there's a lot of us who want to do great works of faith, but you don't love people. And if you don't love people, you're not going to do much great works of faith. Your faith worketh by love. I want to read this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians to you. And it's a very common scripture. Many of you know it. Some of you probably had this recited at your wedding. And 1 Corinthians 13 is placed in an, is in an, in an amazing place. Paul begins to tell them about spiritual gifts in chapter 12. And then in chapter number 14, he begins to talk about prophecy and gift of tongues. But right smack in the middle of that, he puts 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and sound a lot like Joel T. Meyer playing the drums. That, that, that's what he said. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men, I can pray eloquent, amazing prayers in English and wows the whole congregation, or I can pray great prayers in my prayer language, and it sounds so amazing if I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, God says it is an irritation to my ears. Have you ever dropped a pan on, the, on a tile floor and how it goes clang, 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 and it's the most annoying sound ever? If you pray in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, he says, you sound like that pan falling on the floor. It is an irritation to my ears, God says. And Christians all the time wonder, why won't my prayers get answered? I'm going to tell you, this is the start of it. If I pray or speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love. It's an irritation to God's ears. Then he goes on to say, it gets even a lot better. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. 
Nothing. Faith that can move mountains. I hear people say, oh, I want mountain-moving faith. God says, I want you to have mountain-moving love. Oh, I want to see God do amazing things. I'd love to have the prophetic powers. I'd love to have all this knowledge. Why? So you can become more haughty and puffed up or so you can love somebody with it. See, the more I learn about the Bible, the more humble I get, not the more haughty I get. Because I realize i got to love on that much greater of a capacity now. And it says, if I have faith that can move mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Now listen, Jesus said something very peculiar. Jesus said this, many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do mighty works in your name and do all these great things in your name? And he's going to look at you and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, that is so powerful because sin is the outward action of the hand. Iniquity is the motive of the heart. And so when he was bruised for our transgressions and he was, when he covered our iniquities in Isaiah, it was talking about your motives of the heart that you're dealing with. And so when Jesus said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Listen to this. If I have faith that can move mountains, that means you have this type of faith, but have not love, you're nothing. Jesus said, if you do it, and you do it without love, it's a work of iniquity, not a work of ministry. So, what we've been doing as a church, we must stop for a moment and evaluate. Are we doing it because we truly love people? Or are we doing it because we want to expand an empire rather than build his kingdom? I can't wait till next week's message because we're talking about kingdom expansion. But we're going to clarify at TWBC, we are not trying to build an empire. We're trying to build his kingdom. It's not about a TWBC empire. It's not about TWBC bookstore. It's not about messages going around the world. It's about expanding his kingdom whatever way he says do it and how he says do it. And we're going to do it with all the love that the Father's put in us. And we're going to pour it out in a supernatural, amazing way where our 20-mile radius becomes a light of the world and a city set on a hill. But in the process of doing it, love has got to stay the central focal point. It goes on to say, if I give all I have to the poor... And deliver up my body to even be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Then it goes on to say what love truly is. Now you need to put your name in here. And see if you live up to God's standard of love. Joel is patient. I already failed. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's good good for Joel is patient. Joel is kind. Joel does not envy. Joel does not boast. I, I'm, I'm ruined. <laughs> like, listen, I, like, seriously. My life is this. When you're in Walmart line trying to check out. <laughs> and the person checking out in front of you forgets something and says, I'll be right back. I don't have time for your I'll be right back. <laughs> but this is that God interruption that we talked about two weeks ago. Where now that I'm in the middle of this God interruption, and it's me and this cashier here who's just as irritated as I am about the, I'll be back. We look at each other, I got the opportunity. I can love her, or I can spew on her. 
of how, how bad customer service is here and how horrible this place is. And if she would just do her job better, and I can't believe you let this woman go back. You should have just said, you need to go get another line and do all this other stuff. Joel says, do I measure up because love is patient? Yeah. Mm. Love is kind. When you're at the convenience store trying to get your Red Bull and there's five people in front of you in lotto tickets. Mm. <laughs> telling you. See, all these examples are me. I'm not, try, I'm not picking on y'all. Yesterday, I was going to a wedding. I do my traditional. Before I go to a wedding, I get a Red Bull. Amen? I walk in to get my Red Bull. I stand in line. I'm fixing to go, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then she buys it, and she proceeds to scratch it. And, she, and then she says, I'll take one more. I'm patient for about five seconds. Aren't you glad that God's patience lasts way longer than five seconds? He goes on to say, love is patient. God is patient. God is love. So you can put God where love is throughout this whole chapter and throughout the Bible. Love is patient. Now see if, see if you're measuring up here. With my spouse, I am patient and I am kind. Gosh, dog it. <sighs> love does not envy the person's new bass boat that's next door. Okay. Or the golf clubs that your elders got because they're better than yours. And, right? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable. And there you can put short-tempered because it's the same thing. It is not irritable. Or resentful. Joel does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Now listen to this. Love, or you put your name in there, or God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. People ask me all the time, why don't you just give up on so-and-so? Because the Bible says this, love endures all things. And I love verse 8. It says, love never ends. It never stops. I'm never going to give up on you. I'm never going to write you off. I'm never going to say you've gone too far and God can't bring you back. I believe where sin abounds, God's grace still abounds that much more. And I'm going to keep reaching with his loving hands of grace as far as I can to wrap you up in his loving arms and bring you back. Love does not end. I'm so grateful that it's Mother's Day and we're preaching this message because of this. I know how many praying grandmothers we have in our church for their grandbabies. I'm thankful for my praying grandmother that when I was at my worst, she would wake up every morning and call Joel T. Meyer by name before her heavenly father and there was a day I'm telling you there was a day when my life flipped over and my grandmother got to celebrate because her love never ended for her grandson and now he's preaching in Texas I'm telling you it doesn't end so who have you given up on who have you written off that said I guess they're just never going to change some of you, it may be your spouse. Some of you may be a loved one. Some of you, it may be somebody far off. Love never ends. But get this. As for prophecies, I love them, but they're going to stop. They'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For right now, we know in part and we prophesy in part. 
But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. That is so key. Hang on to that word right there. Now I know in part. Then I will know fully, even as I fully am known. Now listen, we talked about this. Now I know in part. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having grace for me when I mess up. Because it says we know in part. I don't know it all. But I have a father who will liberally give me every answer that I ask of him. I don't know it all. I only know in part. You only know in part. This is why grace and love is so important. Because where I fall short, you should know I'm going to fall short. I, the Bible says I only know in part. And even, listen, when we get to heaven, a lot of people think we'll know everything all at once. You cannot exhaust the limitless supply of God. That's why they're still praising him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they've been doing it since the beginning of eternity for this reason. Because he's still worthy of praise. Because he's revealing himself new every single time the sun rises. And if his mercies are new every morning, what else is new for God every morning? That he knows that we don't. Right now, we all know in part. And so that Joel knows in part where I fall short. Don't criticize or condemn your coworker who falls short or that person in the store who's fallen short or that person who's struggling and falling short because they only know in part and maybe your part is the part that's supposed to connect to their missing part and help them walk into the loving relationship with the Father again. Yeah. We all know in part, but these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And the shocking thing about this whole passage is all these things of miracles, signs, wonders are great, but they can all be done without love. They can all happen without love. And on that day, we'll have to stand and give an account before the Father and say, did we do it out of your love and your heart, or did we just do it to build an empire? And on that day, we as a church will stand before him and I know this for a fact. We'll say we did it because we love you, because you first loved us. Amen? Amen. Yeah. If we're going to impact, it's because we love. That's it. Bottom line. And if your political viewpoints don't line up with that standard, you need to change your political viewpoints to a biblical point. Yeah. Amen. We love all people. Color doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter. We're going to love and we're going to pour the love of the Father out on all people. And we believe the Father's going to touch their area of shortcoming and Joel's area of shortcoming and bring them to a full relationship with him. And God begins to do a transformational work. So we love. Therefore, we invest in others and develop people. Jesus' disciples were known because of what Jesus poured into them. Jesus' disciples were known because of what Jesus poured into their life and how he developed them. The Bible says this in Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, but they were astonished and recognized that they had been with Jesus. It is possible so much to hang out with Jesus so much that you don't go to seminary, that you seem very common, but you walk in the uh, most amazing power that the world has ever seen simply because you've been hanging out with him in his presence. Yeah. 
And when you do that, he's going to invest into you. He's going to pour into you. He's going to put the Holy Spirit into you. He's going to reveal great things to you. And you will begin to walk in a realm and in a power that you've never walked in before. And so we want to invest into people. Now listen, people are not projects. You are not a project that we are trying to fix. You are not a person that walked in here with issues that we're trying to get right. You're not a project to fix. We're a pers- you're a person that we love. And sometimes we get so fixated on doing ministry that people become projects. And we, are, we, we will not let that happen here because you've never been a project to us from when you walked in. You have always been a person that we're going to love on and we're going to pour the love of the Father into. And listen to this. It is not about what you do, but who you can invest into. It's not about how great of a preacher or teacher or world traveler or, or, or conference person Joel T. Meyer can become. It's not about that. It's about how many individuals can I look in the eye and begin to pour into and invest my life into. See, it's not about how great you can do things. It's about who can you invest into. I often think of this. Jesus, how much could you have done if you weren't hindered by your disciples' lack of faith? He could have been the, he, he was a superstar, amazing, awesome, supernatural, Jesus, he was all those things. But sometimes I look at the disciples like, man, you're holding this guy back. But Jesus said, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about what he could do. He did, he did amazing things. But it was about how much he could pour into 12 men. How much he could pour into their lives. It wasn't what he could do, it was who he could invest into. Because he knew there was a day he would be crucified, rise again from the dead, and the Holy Spirit was going to come. And those 12 were going to have to go radically change, not just Jerusalem, but the whole world. So he said, it's more beneficial for me to pour into 12 than for me to become literal and physical king here on this earth. So it's not about what you do, it's about who you pour into. And listen, also on this. We want to invest into others, and we want to develop people. We do not want you to be programmed. Okay? We don't do programs at TWBC. We don't want to order something out of a box, open it up, and say, which individuals can we fit into this box to make them like some other program? We don't want to program you. We want to position you. We don't want you programmed. We want you positioned. And what does that mean? I love the story in Acts when the Holy Spirit comes. They weren't just in the right place. You have to be in the right place. Praise God, this morning you're in the right place. So you're in the right place. And the promise was going to manifest. But before they, as they got to the place, there was something they had to do before the promise. They had to get positioned. So they were in the right place, getting in the right position to receive the promise. Our heart at TWBC is we believe this is the right place for you to come. We want to help you get into the right position, not the right program. Because programs don't bring promises. The position of down on your knees before the Father, saying, Father, pour it out on me and all that you have. I want to walk in it. That's the position we want to help you get in so you can walk in the fullness of the promises of God it's not about a program we don't want you programmed we want you positioned because you're unique you're fearfully and wonderfully made there's no one else like you in this earth so you can't fit in a box and you can't be programmed but you can get positioned and God knows every hair on every one of your heads so believe me he knows how to when you get in the right position to bring the right promises into your life that'll change your life. Jesus wants to do some amazing things. 
as I close this message, I want to talk to you that you're more than just a face in the crowd. Because sometimes Jesus chose to invest into the ones rather than the masses. He chose to invest into the one rather than the masses. And in this, we want to see your life change. And with your life change, we'll see community transformation take place. Now listen to this account in Mark 5, 35. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, and this is right after the woman with the issue touched him, well, and she was healed. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion of people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered the house, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the little child was. And taking her by the hand, he said, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement and strictly charged that no one should know about this and, and to give her something to eat. See, sometimes Jesus is more concerned with the ones than the masses. Have you ever noticed this about the scriptures? There was the Mount of Transfiguration when the disciples stayed there and Jesus said, Peter, James, and John come to a place of further still. And then, even with this story, the rest of the disciples stayed outside. He took father and mother and said, Peter, James, and John come to a place of further still. And then when he was in the garden and he was about to be crucified, the disciples stopped and Peter, James, and John went with him a little further. And then the Bible says Jesus went to a place of further still. See, Jesus is calling you to a place this morning called Further Still. He wants to bring you to a place this morning that, that the masses aren't going, but you as a one, he's handpicked and chosen you to be here today because he said, I want you, if you're in this building, to, 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 to not worry about what I'm doing with the masses. I've chosen you as an individual to go to a place of Further Still. Have you ever noticed what he did with this little girl? He wasn't so concerned about the masses that thronged about him and that touched him, but, but after the woman touched him and was healed, he went on to the house and he left everybody outside and kicked everybody outside and he said, I want to go specifically minister to one girl. He was concerned about the one. He was concerned about the one. And you're more than just one in the crowd. And we know that when he went and talked to the demonic, tormented guy, he was concerned about the one that was on the mountain, living with dead people who was dead and stinky. So concerned about the one, he touched him and set him free. And when he came back a couple chapters later, people thronged about him again. He invested into the one. And then the woman with the issue of blood, he stopped everything and said, who touched me? And he poured into the one. Then he looked at Jairus and he said, Illumination, because Jairus means to be illuminated. Remember that from a couple weeks ago? Illumination, do not fear, only believe. He invested into the one. And he went on to the little girl's room and he said, little girl. I imagine he reached his hand out. That's just the way I like to think of the story. <laughs> I say to you, arise. And he helped her get up. And she walked around. He invested into the one. You are more than a face in the crowd. I want to close with these two real quick stories. One day, there's this bitter old man walking down the beach. And he was angry at life, thinks life had forgotten him. 
was looking around and grumpy at everything, mad at the sunrise, mad at the ocean, mad at the wind, mad at everything. And he looks all down the beach and he sees this little boy bend down and pick up and throw something in the water. And a couple steps later, he stopped again and bent down and the little boy threw something in the water. And a couple steps later, he bent down and picked something up and threw him in the water. And he watched this little boy as he made his way all the way to the man. And as he bent down and he picked up a starfish and he threw it in the water. The man looked around and saw behind him a beach littered with starfish that had washed up on the beach from the storm the night before. And he looked at the boy with his angry voice and he said, Son, you can't save them all. And he bent down and he picked up another one. And he said, But I just made a world of difference for this one. Threw it in the water. See, you're the one Jesus bent down to touch and pick up and said, I'm going to make a world of difference for this one. I'm going to make a world of difference for this one. On November 7th, 1918, there was a man born in North Carolina just outside Charlotte at the uh, end of the World War I. Grew up during the Great Depression, had a hard life, and his father owned a farm, and he worked on the family farm. And only in his free time did he find some time to get alone and read books on various subjects. In 1934, as he turned 15, he made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ through the ministry of Mordecai Ham, a traveling evangelist, who visited Charlotte for a series of meeting, uh, revival meetings. Today, this one boy who was 15 years old when he gave his life to Christ, who grew up, grew up during the Depression and had a hard life, today he's preached the gospel to more, pe to more people in live audience than anyone else in history. Nearly 215 people he's preached to in person in more than 185 countries and territories, through various meetings including Mission World and Global Mission, hundreds of millions of people have been born again and reached through the television, video, film, webcast, and conferences of Billy Graham. <laughs> Who knew in 1934 at that tent meeting, was he just another one? Was he just another one? See, there's no such thing as just another one in the crowd. There's no such thing as just another one at TWBC. You're not a number on a spreadsheet for us. You're not an attendance count for us. You're not somebody that we look at and say, oh, check mark their box, they're here today. There's something special about each and every one of you. And you're not just another one in the crowd. You're a person. And Stephanie, I am so glad a few weeks back when you walked through those church doors. I've been missing you and I've been praying for you, girl. And you weren't just another number for me years ago and you're not another number for me now. Amen. I love you and I'm so glad you're at church this morning. I'm so glad you came here to be with us on Mother's Day. I'm glad that you're here. Glenn and Natasha, I'm so glad God is restoring things in your family and we saw your children get baptized today. We've been praying for that healthy restoration of what God's doing in your life. You're not just another number for us. Joe, Bob, and Holly, I'm so grateful to do your wedding a couple weeks ago. And I'm glad you don't just bail on church because you got married and you found a church home. You know how to stay here and be happily married. You're not just another number to me. It was an honor to do your wedding. And I thank you for giving me that opportunity. 
Mariko, I remember the first day I met you, buddy. Amen. Praise God. You're not a number to me. Man, God's got a call on your life. I know you've gone through tough times in your past. It didn't disqualify you for ministry. It didn't disqualify you. God's setting you up to do an amazing, mighty work for his kingdom in dual languages. Okay? So, so get ready. Spencer, if you'll grab a hold of what God's got for you, there's no stopping you, buddy. Grab a hold of that. You're not a number for me, though. And precious Wendy back there, I remember you from Wesley Methodist Church when we grew up together, sister. And when I saw you walk through those doors at TWBC a couple years back, my heart leapt for joy. Because you were never another number to me. I remember you as a kid when we were friends. I remember you when we were in band together in high school. And I remember you now. You're not a number. And I can go through and I can pick you guys all out through the congregation and tell you stories about you. Mark, thanks for taking care of soccer this year. Appreciate that. See? I mean, it's just... So it, you're not a number. You're not. You're not a face in the crowd. You're a person. And I love you. And I want you to know that. Matt and Zandra, man, God's got great things for you. And, and Yasmin, girl, your smile every time you walk through. Man, I, all the stuff you've been through in life. And, and, and girl, you're still smiling. I don't know how you do but you're still smiling. I mean, man. And Lisa, I remember you from Wesley Methodist Church way back in the day. Look, when I was a little blonde-headed, cotton-headed kid running around. Thanks for putting up with me then and now. I mean, KW, man, I was looking at pictures the other day. <laughs> and man, you were a baby when we came to this building. But now, look, look at you, you're a grown man. And you're not going to live under, listen, you will never live under anybody else's shadow. God is developing you into a mighty man of God. And so I want you to hold them shoulders back and your head up high and you be proud of the man of God he's making you into because he's got a destiny for you and there's going to be a, there, there, yours is not going to be a gradual process. There's going to be a day. I'm talking, it's going to be boom and KW's going to be on the scene. Everybody's going to be like, where did he come from? And I'm going to say, he's been here all along. He's been here all along. You see, guys, it's never been about a number. It's never been about a number. It's always been about the family. And I'm so happy to see Clay and Terry here on Mother's Day with their baby Emmy up in the balcony. So, baby Emmy's first church service. See, it's not, it's not about a number. You're not a face in the crowd. You're a person that I love. And the ministry, and, and TWBC loves you. And that's our DNA. That's who we want to be. It's who we want to stay. And so as the worship team comes and the ministers come this morning, listen to me on this. You are not a face in the crowd. And Jesus has handpicked you. Summer, he's handpicked you, girl. He ain't forgot about you. He's handpicked you. I know you've gone through tough times, girl. He's picked you. Okay? He's picked you, handpicked you. And so this morning, I want you to know that you're not being picked on, you're being picked up with the love of Jesus Christ. And so at TWBC, if we're going to impact, it's because we love.
And through us loving, therefore, we will invest everything we have into you to see you develop into the godly man or woman that God's called you to become. And in that, we'll see your life change and my life change, and we'll experience community transformation together. It's going to happen with Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? As you stand with me this morning, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, get ready. He's got something for you. He's called you out by name this morning. You're not a face in the crowd. You're a person to him that he wants to love on and be a part of and have you come into the kingdom of God. If you need to come to the communion table this morning, come to the communion table and remember the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he did specifically, not for the church, for you as an individual, as a person. Some of you need to come pray with us up here or pray on your own.